0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Works Christian Church, right here in beautiful Lancaster, California. I am your host, Robert Enis. Here I will discuss theology, doctrine, politics, social and cultural issues, pretty much anything I feel like talking about. But basically, I flip tables. Please remember to download each episode. That's very important. Download each episode. Hold on tight, it's going to be a bumpy ride. I want to tell you all a little story to start today. Today we're going to talk about toxic masculinity, but I'm not going to talk to you necessarily about all the nonsense that's coming against men. Um, I'm going to just talk about what, what being a real man is. Just in case you've wondered what's a real man. I'm going to share with you what a real man is. But before I do, I want to tell you a little story. So over at our, our church, uh, we are somewhat vocal, if you will. Um, talking about different cultural and societal issues and problems and stuff. Things that are anti-biblical or unbiblical. And we have no problem talking about it and dealing with it in that sense. Also, we own a uh, coffee shop, Butler's Coffee. Greatest coffee in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, please show up, find us, get a good cup of coffee. You won't regret it. Anyway, so we uh we have this coffee shop and we have our church and the coffee shop is actually run as a non profit. And you know what's so funny? We we run it as a non profit mainly because there's no profit in it. Nobody makes a dime. Okay, there's we barely, barely make enough to cover costs. And our original idea was let's run it as a nonprofit. Everybody is a volunteer. My wife runs the place. She's a volunteer. She gets no trust me on this one. She gets no paycheck. I wish we could, but there's no money there to get the paycheck. And we employ people that that come in, they donate their time, a hundred hours, and it's a program for primarily for people who I've had difficulty finding job because they just don't have much work history. And so th- what they'll do is they'll come in, they'll donate 100 hours. That's only, you know, uh, in a given week, there's a 40-hour week. So two and a half weeks if they do eight-hour shifts, which most don't. But they could literally do it in two and a half weeks, less than a month. So let's say about a month. They could get their 100 hours. And they get a certificate. And at the same time, they get their food hand- handler's certificate or license, whatever they call it, license, certificate, whatever. And then they can go out and get another job somewhere else because now they have work history with this documents and a good resume, you know, that pads the resume, so to speak. And, and um, they have the document saying they completed these hours, they'll get an assessment from my wife, they, and they have their food handlers um, certificate whether they go into that type of business or not, they still have it and they could say, listen, this is what I've accomplished in just a hundred hours. So if I could do this in a hundred hours there for basically for free, it's not a hundred percent for free, but for free, what can I do for you? You know, just imagine what I could do for you. And many of the people that have left have gotten great jobs and moved up the ladder rather quickly where they couldn't get jobs before. Now they're not only getting jobs, but they're moving up the, the ladder rather quickly. So anyway, so we we run it that way, and nobody gets a paycheck. Nobody gets paid. All right, nobody gets paid at this place. When we say nonprofit, it's really nonprofit. It's a great place for that, and we get people that bash us: child labor, child labor. You guys are stealing all the money. What money? Anyways, it, it, it just, it's just it's just crazy. So anyways, we have the church, and we're pretty outspoken in the many in many ways. We have the coffee shop, and the coffee shop hosts. Different people and different meetings and such, and and because of that, we've gained the attention of a lot of people in our in our community. A lot in a good way. The patriots love us. America-loving patriots love us. The righteous love us. Those who stand up um, for the good things and the right things that have made America great—they love us. They love the church. They love the coffee shop. They love our coffee, of course. And by the way, I'm drinking. I'm in my little studio, but I have some Butler's coffee here, and I'm drinking it in my American flag cup. It's kind of interesting. On the outside, it looks a lot like an American flag, and it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It's a big, fat cup. And in the very bottom, if you were able to look down, I can't see it now because the coffee's in it, but there's like the Captain America shield or something very similar to that in the very bottom. Um, So I'm fully patriotic. Uh, trying to be at least. And there's a lot of people in our culture and society that, that are offended, offended. They're offended that we actually love our country and love uh, who we are as a people and even love the diversity in our country, you know. And anyway, so because of our stance and because of who we are and because of what we stand for, we've we've gained the attention of a lot of good people. And that's fantastic. We've gained the attention of a lot of, well, not so desirable in our culture our society and our region even to the point that we started receiving um death threat yes ladies and gentlemen death threat first it started at the church and in a general sense where somebody would drive by or something like that throw a a note you know like a an envelope filled with rocks with a note inside about how they're going to kill us and do all kinds of terrible things to us and on one hand there was part of me that says i need to take this seriously because what if but there was another part on it is just like this is so absolutely um childish you know childish and and ridiculous that um, I didn't want to have to face it you know I didn't want to have to deal with I just wanted to brush it off as a bunch of just you know immature uh, people out there that aren't going to do anything but then at the same time you just never know we've seen school shootings we've seen synagogue shootings we've seen church shootings so I okay we got to prepare for this we got to make sure that everything's okay so of course we got the cameras so ladies and gentlemen, if anybody out there is thinking that they're gonna come sneak onto our property and do harm, trust me, you'll be seen by 15 different cameras before you even get close to any of our people. Uh, we in, in, installed all kinds of security lights all over the place. So even if at night somebody tries to walk on our property, it'll light up like a Christmas tree. But I even took it a step further than merely that. Number one, we I pulled the men aside. We had a men's meeting. And I was just honest with him. I told him, listen, guys, I don't know if we, you know, if this is serious or not. I don't know if that person who did this is actually serious, if they're going to do something or not. But we need to be prepared anyways. We need to get a contingency plan. We need to be ready for all of this. So we we talked about it. We came up with some drills. We talked about it. When I say drills, I'm like, okay, what if somebody comes through that door right there with a gun? What are we going to do, you know? Um, And so we came up with plans you know, to to, to, uh, protect the people of the church, protect the church, people of the church, you know, uh, as much as we can. I'm not going to give you any of those plans, you know, the the, the details of those plans. But one of the things I also told the guys, I said, guys, uh, because what happened was, as this was progressing, some of those letters, those death threats started going to some of the members of our church. Now that really irritated, you know, it's one thing you're going to do something goofy, You know, in a general, I'm not saying it's right in any way, you know, but then when you start threatening people, listen, the coward, cowardice of it. I remember standing up in front of at a rally and standing, you know, um, in front of a rally. And saying, here I am, here I am, because the people that were doing this, we knew were following us, because following us, either physically following us or following us on social media, probably both. So I wanted them to know, here I am. Don't be a coward. Don't be going and threaten women and children. Here I am. I'm the leader of this. Everything that happens at Butler's, ultimately, I'm the one that has to take responsibility for it everything that happens at my church, everything that's said, whether I personally say it or somebody else says it, I have to take responsibility for it. So here I am. And I still say that. I mean, if, if, if the people that were doing that are listening at all, listen, here I am. Don't go somewhere else. Don't go, go you know, you, uh, you know how cowardly that is. You got a problem with what happens at Butler's. You have a problem with uh, what happens at, at Greater Christian Church. You have really a problem with me, nobody else. I'm the one that sets the standard. I'm the one that sets the course. I'm the one that ultimately says it. what happens and doesn't happen. Here I am. And nobody stepped up. Interesting. Anyways, so I, I want to tell you this part of the story because it, it's, uh, it, it's really pertinent. So in that meeting, when I pulled the guys aside and we had, we, we come up with a plan. We come up with some ideas, you know, what are, what are we going to do if this happens, that happens and everything. We ran through some basic drills and, and such. And we even, we had a, we started a, a um, self-defense course at the church. We ran it for, I don't know, it was a six or eight weeks or something. Any Everybody was invited, many of the guys came and we just learned some simple self-defense things to be able to protect ourselves, protect our families and such. Uh, and it was great. But one of the things I also told the guys, I said, listen guys, if, you know, this isn't, I don't know where you guys stand on firearms, cause we just, that's not something that we necessarily talk about all the time. And uh, I didn't think most of the guys of the church would have a problem with firearms in that sense. But I told him, if you don't own one, please go get one. and Or if you own something like a hunting rifle, you know, maybe you want to talk, think about getting a handgun or maybe a shotgun or something like that. Just for home protection. I didn't say, I told him, not necessarily to carry around with you because that can get you in a lot of trouble. But, you know, keeping at home and knowing and learning and knowing how to use it and how to use it properly to protect yourself, protect your family, because we don't know, you know, I, I don't know if this is going all right, but even if this is just kind of some weird sick hoax, the, the the world is getting darker and darker and darker and you need to be able to protect yourself and protect your family. So um, anyway, so many of the guys went out and purchased a, um, a firearm. Some of them got some handguns, some of them got some uh, shotguns or whatever. And 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 um, it was so refreshing in a lot of ways. And let me tell you why. Something that I did not expect at all, happen. I honestly expected the, the the their wives to complain and get upset. There, oh, he went out and spent five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or whatever. He got this and that, and you you know can't pay this. But I I almost expected that, and I even told him don't take your children's food money. You know, don't take your rent or your mortgage payment. Just you know maybe put a little aside and save it up. So, anyways, after a little while. Many of the guys went out and purchased some handguns, legally, of course, and uh, learned how to use them. Started learning how to use them, and even the wives are saying, "Hmm, I want to go with you." They start learning how to use them after some time, and this this builds and this grows, and they're learning how to use it. and, and the family, their each individual family, is 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 um, learning how to, uh, uh pro- protect themselves, use this firearm safely. They have uh, safes and gun cases and all kinds of things like that. I mean, I was amazed. I'll be honest, with you. I was amazed at how serious the men and even their wives uh, took this. Uh, uh, you know, they didn't just have a gun and leave it in a drawer somewhere, okay, or not ever learn how to use it. These were people that really took it seriously. Started going to the range and learning how to use it, how, how to load it, how to clean it, how to store it, how to uh, um, transport it safely. And and I was absolutely amazed at this but what it did something again that i was not expecting at all some of the ladies uh independent of one another came with almost the same exact story thank you they told me thank you so well, thank you for what what did i do this time you know but thank you because when when that happened at first i wasn't sure of it i remember one lady told me I, I wasn't really sure of it you know because here we are spending a little bit of money that uh, i didn't think we really had to spend and and or should spend and. But I knew that it was one of those things that my husband was so animate about because of just what's going on in the world. He wanted to protect me and the children and blah, 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 and everything that's going on. But what it did to him and what I see in him is just that simple move of now knowing he has the ability to take care of me and the kids if something went south, built his confidence, built his confidence in such a way that now I don't care if he goes and buys another one. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking of buying one myself. I remember this story. I remember her telling me this. I'm thinking of buying one myself so that we could go and make this a family affair, that he and I can go out together. And it's just built his confidence. He's a better man for it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, he's not a better man because he bought a gun. He's not a better man because he fired that gun. He's a better man because he can now defend his family, his wife and his children, and he knows it. That same story, that same sense would come up over that man and his bride, his wife, if it was something else such as martial arts or something of that nature. Why? Because that's what a man does. And again, in that scenario and in that story and in that time frame, I had several women. As a matter of fact, many of the ladies, many of the wives ended up purchasing guns themselves. And now they go on date nights or dates, I should say, maybe date days to the firing range and and they'll do you know they'll go out they'll all shoot off a few rounds hit the targets learn how to how to operate it better be, get better shots and all that And then they'll all go out to dinner or something and it's really brought them together in a unique way again i did not plan on this i did not expect this at all I, my idea was just this guys do whatever you need to do to be able to defend your family. That's about it. That that was my heart behind it. And what it did is it strengthened them. They're strengthened their marriage, strengthened their our community, and 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 it strengthened their men to the point to now the ladies are going, I like this, this, I like this part of my man because he's a real man. Because he has a gun? No, because he has confidence that the ability to be able to defend his family created. Confidence, because he can defend his family. It could have been anything. It just so happened to be a gun because of the situation that everybody was in. But praise God for that. Now, my point on, on telling you that story is because, again, I'm going to talk to you about what a man is, all right, what a man is. Because we, we hear this thing about toxic masculinity, you know, and it's disgusting of, of men and true masculinity getting hammered by a group of people that want men to be a bunch of limperous jellyfish. And I don't know about you, men and ladies, I refuse to be, I refuse to be that. I'm going to stand, do my best to stand against the current. Okay, this, this false, wicked narrative and current that's in our world today and show the world what a true man is and what true masculinity is and what true masculinity can do. And as the ladies of our church are starting to see and realize in their own men and their own husbands, they like it. The more masculine their men become, they like it. And I wanna talk about just four points today and I, I, and there's many more that I could talk about, but I picked these four. One, because as I was just jotting down some notes, those, these are the four that came to my mind. and And the, to me, these are extremely important. But at some point in my toxic masculinity series, if you want to call it a series, I'm going to talk about things like etiquette and such like that, because that's something that real men need to understand, even in those areas. But nonetheless, so what is a man? Number one, a real man is a defender talked about that a little bit, of course, but a defender of his wife, of his children, and those around him who are weaker. A real man will defend what he loves, what he appreciates, what he values, what he honors. That's why real men will often run out to the battlefield, even knowing they may never come back to defend their country, defend their families, to defend their lifestyles, defend what they value. So again, I want to ask you this question. I think I already asked it, but what if Someone were to break into your home, would you be able to defend yourself? Would you be able to def- keep your family safe? Defend your family and keep your family safe. You know, it's two o'clock in the morning. You hear a window break, and you hear, you know, I don't know, voices starting to creep through that broken window, or or whatever. You hear the door. Open. What would you do? Now, of course, please, number one, call nine one one. Call nine one one. Call the police. Get them on on route. Okay. But the reality of it is, unless there's an officer like right next door, it may take a few minutes to get there. Do you know the harm that could come to you and your family in just, say, two minutes? I mean, think about these uh, school shootings and such, or the synagogue shootings, or the the, um, church shootings. I don't know about, there's this, just a few years ago, maybe three years ago now, two years ago, three years ago now, there was that guy that busted into a church in Texas. All right. And I believe if if I remember the story right, he had a shotgun and he shot, I believe he killed one person, injured another, but maybe there was more death than that. But there was a member of the congregation that just popped up, just stood up, drew a weapon and shot the guy in the head and put him down. End of the mayhem, end of the chaos and end of the murder. Because somebody in that congregation had a firearm and was able to defend not just himself, Not just his wife, but everybody in that church. And it's just sad because unfortunately, you know, uh, nobody really saw or knew what was going to be taking place or anything like that until, of course, the guy fires the first shot. And unfortunately, somebody did pass away. Uh, But it could have been a lot worse if there wasn't somebody in there that could defend them. All right. And we hear these types of stories all the time. We, We hear these types of stories all the time, how... Somebody may, may break into a, a liquor store or a, a convenience store with a gun and there's either a customer in there that's, that's um, got a firearm or the, the guy behind the counter has a firearm and they're able to stop the death and the mayhem uh, by, de- because they can defend themselves. So again, I want to ask you this question. How would you keep your family safe? If at two o'clock in the morning, you guys are all in bed asleep, your children are in bed asleep and your wife's in bed next to you asleep. And suddenly you, you and your wife are woken up because somebody's breaking glass to get in the house. And you know, somebody just broke in, of course, call 911 or have your wife call 911. But what are you going to do? I, I, this is not to tell everybody, go buy a gun. I'm not telling everybody this because you know, if you're not into it, whatever, but what, are you going to do you should have the ability to be able to defend your family you know and in that say 2 minutes that it takes from the phone call to the the police actually arriving a lot of death can happen in your home and if you have no way of defending yourself those deaths could be your children could be your wife so a real man will defend his family and whatever that means for you in your unique situation what does that mean for you defend your family keep them safe keep them secure so I want to say this, every man should, now this is, is, every man should absolutely be in shape and have the ability to physically defend themselves and their family if they had to. Be in shape. You know, uh, uh, and if that means going to the gym, go to the gym, get your butt in the gym. You know, I'm not talking about being a bodybuilder. You don't have to, you know, oh, I can't do this unless I look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, that's not it at all. But you should be healthy enough, flexible enough, that you can defend yourself on some level and that also means being able to defend yourself you know it, it, using some type of martial arts or boxing or Krav Maga or something of that nature you know um, that might even mean something like carrying pepper spray on you I don't know about the laws that, where you're you actually are at but if you're able to carry some pepper spray make sure your wife carries some pe- pepper spray if It's allowed and it's legal. You know, um, uh, one of those little zapper things, you know, carry that. Have your wife carry that you know, um, but you got to know how to use it. You got to be flexible and fast enough and strong enough to be able to even use these things. So get in the gym, learn some martial arts on some level, boxing, self-defense course, you know, and if if this is your thing, and please, if it's not your thing because you want to, you know, listen, just get over it. Own a firearm. You don't have to take it around. You don't have to carry it in your car. You don't have to wear it on your belt all the time or anything like that. At home, in a a, a safe that you can get to quickly, that if somebody's busting in within within say 10 seconds, you got that thing in hand, you don't have to go guns a-blazing Yosemite Sam on them, you know, but you have the ability. If somebody comes into that bedroom, boom they're down you learn you 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 teach your children the contingencies you all of these things just like you should be teaching your children that if the fire breaks out in the house how to get out of the house safely without burning up those types of things if there's an earthquake especially in California we live in California southern california but i've experienced several earthquakes here how do you get out of the house where do you go if there's a uh, if there's an earthquake same thing hey kids if somebody starts breaking in and you know somebody's breaking in You know, here's what you do, because here's what I'm going to do. Come up with those plans. Go through some drills. Make it a a kind of a fun thing, but a serious thing all at the same time. That's what men do. They protect their families first and foremost, and then they protect the weaker around them. Let's imagine that you're in a restaurant, right? And you see some guy start uh, smacking his wife or beating his children. Are you physically able to go over there and stop that if not again get in the gym now i'm not talking to the guys you know men out there who have some type of medical condition that keeps you from doing that but if you don't let's say you're just a little overweight well lose the weight and get in the gym you know get yourself limbered up a little bit you know if it's just because you've never been to the gym and you're just sluggish and you know you just you know i hate running i hate working out listen i'm not a gym rat at all i really once I get to the gym, I enjoy it because once you get moving, I, I I love that feeling. But but getting to the gym, let me tell you, it's like pulling teeth. Sometimes I am not a gym rat. You know, I don't live for the gym. You know, um, but. I go to the gym because I need to be in shape. I force myself to, when I do run. I hate running. But when I do run, it's because I know I need to run. Okay? When I lift some weights, it's because... And listen, guys, I'm not huge. I'm not telling you, like, I'm I'm sitting here like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I No, not at all. Anybody that knows me, I'm 5'8", about 165 pounds, not a real big guy at all. But I'm in pretty good shape. For my age, for my height and everything, I'm in pretty good shape. I can... <laughs> If, if even need be, run from a fight, you know? So anyways, um, so again, become a defender. And whatever that means for you, whatever that means for you, go to martial arts, go learn some boxing, go take a boxing course, go take a Krav Maga, Krav Maga course, go, uh, you know, karate, jujitsu, uh, judo. Uh, what are some of the other ones? Kung fu, you know, um, some of those things. Learn how to defend yourself and your family if you had to. But another one, that, another thing that I want to focus on, men are providers. Men are providers. And uh, so that means men, true men, work hard. They put in the extra effort. They make themselves, they continue to work on themselves and make themselves more marketable by sharpening their skills and learning new skills. You see, this whole thing that's going on in our world today where uh, especially young people, but people in general, they want somebody else or something else to take care of them. This is one reason why I don't like um, unions. Now, those of you who are in a union, I'm not trying to come against you at all because I understand that's your job and it's a union job. You still need that paycheck. You need to take care of your family and such. And so my hat goes off to you for that. I'm talking about the union itself and the the many people that are so pro-union because they feel like they'll never get a fair shake without the union. Well, that's cowardice and that's backing down from who you, that's really giving up your manliness, your masculinity to somebody else, to this collective thing called a union. And most union bosses, people who run the union, it's more like a mafia than anything else. It's uh, communism or mafiaism, if it, if that's actually a word, uh, more than anything else. I'm not against the workers at all. I'm just against that whole thing that basically convinces the workers you won't make it without us. Because a real man doesn't need a union. Why? Because a a real man will work hard and prove himself. A real man will put in the extra effort. A real man will make himself more marketable. A real man will sharpen his skills. The skills he already has, he'll sharpen. And a real man will learn new skills, especially the skills needed to move up the ladder and to prove himself the powers that be. So um, don't buy into that whole, I won't make it unless I have a union or I won't make it unless they give me a living wage. No, go out there and prove to them that that you're worth that, number one, and even more, and then you'll get it. Okay? Don't listen to the nonsense and the hype. And if you need to go to school for these things, to accomplish these things, do it. If you need to go to trade school, do it. If you need to get online and take some online courses, do it. That's what real men do. They sharpen their skills. See, because a real man, listen, please, I, I, I'm not against sports. I'm not against watching sports. I'm not against going to the games or watching the games. I'm not against it at all. I don't do a lot of that myself because it really bothers me, the whole taking of the knee and things of that nature. But nonetheless, that's a personal issue. However, I'm not against people, um, men or anybody in that sense, going to the games watching the games on TV and such what I am against okay now now, now here's a scenario that I've seen over and over and over with people they, they they take on a most likely a union job right and they put all of their trust in the union to make sure that they get their raises their bonuses their uh, you know all the perks and their health care and their, all of that stuff all right they, they these type of guys they just give it all over they, they give their masculinity to the union all right and that's really what it is And then they spend all their free time uh, watching Monday night football, Thursday night football, Sunday football, Saturday uh, college ball, you know, when football season's in. then they're watching basketball when it's basketball season and, 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 and baseball when it's baseball season, all that, which is, again, I'm not against them watching some games, but they don't use that same time how many hours do they sit in front of a TV or at the bar or hanging out with their friends watching the game compared to how many hours they go to say a a um, trade school or an online school or a college course to sharpen their skills and make themselves more marketable with a lot of these males uh, um, they won't spend any time uh, making themselves more marketable but a lot of time watching football and then they, get upset if they if they're not making i'm not making enough money it's the union's fault it's the union union this union that union that i wouldn't even have a job for the union i wouldn't have this for for the union it's like mm -mm. why are you going to throw your masculinity to a union or anybody else And then this whole idea of Marxism, communism, socialism is rising up. Why? So everybody is equal and everybody gets a fair shake. Why are you throwing your masculinity to one of these isms instead of making yourself more marketable? You know, and and in other... In other countries, they go out and play. they watch soccer over and over and over again and then do the same exact same thing. Complain that they're not making more money, that they don't have this, they don't have that, the union needs to do this, they need to be I mean, it's just crazy. And what is it? It's males being robbed of their true masculinity and then the few men that get out there and say no i'm not going to give my masculinity over to these knuckleheads i'm going to i'm going to improve myself i'm going to rise up and i'm going to show the world who i really am and what i'm really made of oh look at that that's toxic masculinity why because he won't toe the mark he won't give up his masculinity he's actually developing it well yeah That's what real men do. So, men out there, it's time that you get rid of all the isms and even drop the unions. Be a union unto yourself. Okay, What you want the union to do for you, you do for yourself. You make yourself more marketable. You sharpen your skills. You learn new skills. You prove to your bosses, to the owners of the company and such, that you are much better than what the union can produce. And you watch yourself rise to the top. And don't make any excuses. So... And and, and when I say don't make excuses, let me tell you a little story of somebody that went to the church some some time ago And this is actually somebody that I knew for a long time and i'm not going to mention his name Because I actually hope that he listens to this podcast and I actually hope that he that he hears this story And I actually hope that he gets something out of it Now many years ago, I said uh, um, Before I was even in in full-time ministry. I worked with this gentleman and he um hurt himself on the job. And when I say hurt himself, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion because I wasn't in his body. Thank you, Jesus. And I don't know what he actually went through. But in my opinion, I don't think that he was as hurt as he wanted everybody to believe because he went on disability at the time and started collecting a check. And then, um, anyways, some part of our, you know, we, we moved away. My wife and I got married. We moved away, started a church and everything like that. And it has been so many years that we didn't see each other. All right. And then uh, we kind of reconnect. He starts. He and his family started attending the church, and he still wasn't working. He still wasn't working, and that was like twenty more, almost twenty-five, about twenty-five years almost that we had not really spent seeing each other that much or anything like that. And he still wasn't working. Now, from what I understand, he had some jobs, a few jobs between here and there, and and uh, but the whole time it was completely, I got this back problem. I got this back problem. I can't work because of this back problem. All right, back problem. Now, if it's genuine, I totally understand that. But even with that, ladies and gentlemen, I knew this other guy. He was paralyzed from about the waist down. He could not walk. He had use of his hands, but certainly not from about, I don't know, his midsection down, completely paralyzed. He was in a wheelchair. It changed his life radically. But you know what he did is he went to school and he learned some business. And then he got into insurance and other things. There was other financial things that he was into, but primarily insurance. And became very, very, very successful in that business realm. Because he did not give up. He just shifted from what he used to do into something now that he could do. And he became excellent at it and became very successful at it from a wheelchair. All right? So now here's this gentleman 25 years later after his initial injury. He's still complaining that he can't work because of his back problem. He's just going to collect a check. He and his family are living in pretty much what we would call a, a poverty. It's American poverty, but it's still poverty, right? Uh, there's like four or five of them tucked in a little two-bedroom apartment. Maybe it was a three-bedroom, but it was a small apartment. I remember going there one time. And then, he, you know, all kinds of craziness. Um, junker car because they couldn't afford a decent car. All of that, right? Okay. And he refused to work. Now, he would also brag that he was a, you know, a martial artist guy, right? And I didn't, wouldn't think too much of it because I'm thinking, well, if he's really hurt and everything, this is just more of his glory day stories, you know? And then I go to the gym one time, and um, I was a member of a gym out here, not the gym I'm presently in, and they had two locations out here in, in my area. And I went to the uh, gym that was in the next town in Palmdale instead of the one in Lancaster and I went there and, and I look across the room uh, across the gym and there's this guy same dude who hasn't worked a real job in like 25 years that's kept his family broke because he won't go out there and get a job he's across the gym working out and he was on uh, you know if you're not familiar with the gym they have these these leg press machines right that's where you load up a whole bunch of weight on it and you're sitting you're sitting in a chair but back back a little bit and you're pushing upward on all of these on all of these weights. And he had quite a bit of weight and that's what he was doing, quite a bit of weight. So there's a lot of pressure, especially on the legs. And because of that, there's maybe not a a ton of pressure, but on your lower back, where his back was supposed to be completely demolished and hurt where he couldn't work, it does put pressure on your back and the rest of your body. And he was l- lifting hundreds and hundreds of pounds. All right, I uh, used that same machine and I would lift, I think uh, at that time I got up to about 470 pounds. I think it was 470 total. And um, on that particular machine, I'm not saying I could just walk over and pick up 470 pounds, but on that particular machine, I was doing about 400 pounds, somewhere around there. And so this guy was huskier than I was. He was doing far more than I was. I don't know how much. I didn't count it, but even if he was doing 100 pounds, you know, you, you, you're you hurt to the point where you can't work, right? So anyway, I just sat back and watched it in amazement. I sat across there and I didn't even, you know, tell him I was there or anything like that. Normally I was, that's how, when I saw him, I'm going to go over there and greet him. Then I realized, wait a minute, he's in the gym. And I, I know that if you got a back problem, there's certain, um, there's certain things you can do and you can't do. And so if he was staying away from the things that would aggravate a back problem, I would understand that. So I watched him and he was doing different things and he was joking around and talking with some people and working out on other things that were back related as well, arm related, back related and everything like that. And so I walked across the gym and I said, hey, how are you doing, bro? Oh, yeah. Hey, man, how you doing? Good to see you. And we started talking. I said, listen, let me ask you a question. If you can't go get a job and take care of your own family, what are you doing here? And they started talking about, oh, well, you know, I can come in and do this because I have some kind of a... Uh, uh, um, pain relieving device that's tucked in underneath the skin or something like that that pumps. I go, okay, okay. So, but so, so this device takes away your pain and gives you the ability to um, come and work out with heavy weights, but you can't use that same device to go get a job to take care of your family. And I, I pretty much said it like that in this gym because it made me so angry and so frustrated that for 20 plus years, this man's family suffered and lived in in poverty and the shame of that kind of poverty, because dad, who should have been out there providing for him, used the excuse that he had a back problem, even though he could go to the gym. And so I said, and I said, you also talk about how you're, uh, uh, you know, into martial arts and you train people and everything. I said, are you still doing it? He goes, oh yeah, yeah, I still do that. go, so how can you, how can you do with a bad back? How can you kick, punch, twist, turn, but you can't get a job? And i finally said listen dude you're not a man you're a little boy with all the excuses you're just a little boy you're not a real man because a real man would do it in pain if he had to a real man would figure out even if he was in pain he'd figure out the the type of job that he could do and make a career kind of income and he would train himself you had 20 plus years to retrain yourself and learn something. And he, he says, man, I, he goes, I couldn't do that because I don't even have my high school diploma. I Wait a minute, you can come to the gym, lift all these weights with your bad back. You can go train people in martial arts with your bad back. You could even fight in martial arts with your bad back. But you couldn't go to an adult school and get your high school diploma, your GED. You couldn't go learn a trade to pay or to provide for your family but you could do this, all this other stuff. I said, even more, you're not a man. You're a little boy at best. I said, I can't even believe this. And how do you sit in my church week after week after week and listen to the truth of the gospel, listen to the truth of the word of God and not allow it to penetrate you? I said, not only that, you're not even a good spiritual man. I said, there's something wrong with you. Then he started trying to make excuses about his background and where he came from. I said, I don't care, a real man works on overcoming that, you've had 20 plus years since your initial injury to overcome all of that. You've had 20 years to overcome all of that. And what have you been doing? Making excuses and using what strength you do have in your body to get in the gym, to go kickbox and do all these other things, but you can't go get a job to take care of your family? I said, You're not a man. You're not a man because a real man would figure it out and a real man would make a way you're not a man. Now, needless to say, that was the last time I saw him. He left the church because he was so offended. Ladies and gentlemen, he was so offended, which proves again that he wasn't a real man because a real man may genuinely get offended, but then deals with the offense correctly, which he never did. He never came and sat down and talked to me because he I'm sure he knew I was going to give him the same thing. He was so offended, you know. Uh, uh, but anyways, so... Uh, so a real man is a provider. Let me back up one more. A real man is a defender and a real man is a provider. They take care of themselves. So they, they take care of what is theirs. They provide for themselves. They don't, you know, a real man, I'm not saying won't get help when, when it's needed, but a real man won't rely on that help for too long. Why? Because he's going to work himself out of the need for that help. That's what real men do as providers. The third thing I want to talk about is real men are not controlled by their emotions. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, let me say that again. Real men are not controlled by their emotions. Do they have emotions? Of course, they're not controlled by their emotions. They have, in other words, a real man controls their emotions, has them, but doesn't allow those emotions to control them. And what do I mean by that? When they're angry, they do not lose control. They do not become violent just because they're angry. They do not uh, seek to harm other people. They do not go on these screaming rants. You know, if you turn on, if you look at social media, which I would suggest that you don't look at too much social media, or or anything like that. There's al- there's always that comes across my feed. You know, one of these clips of somebody losing it somewhere. You know, like somebody uh, uh, goes into a fast food restaurant and orders something. You know, burger, fries, whatever. And when it comes, they mess up their order a little bit and then you then the next thing you know that person is freaking out throwing things around kicking over display stands threatening people fighting with people because they messed up their order real men don't do that real men may get angry because I don't know about you it's just it's a little frustrating when when you know your order is wrong or something of that but a real man can get angry and as the bible says be angry but do not sin they do not let their anger get the better of them or control them or cause them to do something that they would otherwise later regret or should regret. A real man can get angry without getting violent. They they, they keep themselves. All right. Real men, when they're hurt and real men do get hurt, such as maybe the passing of somebody that's close to them, a, a close friend or uh, uh, their wife, their spouse, uh, a child, uh, parents, um, they get hurt, but they don't, they don't allow that, that pain that they're feeling, they don't allow it to control them to the point where they cause other people pain. They grieve. They may even cry. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, anybody that knows me, um, I'm not much of a crier, but I'm not against men crying. What I'm against is when the hurt and the pain that leads to tears begins to control a man to the point where they can no longer function normally and in a healthy manner. So yes, they grieve and they even cry, but they do it in a healthy manner. Even if they have to back off, sometimes people get such, so hurt that they have to withdraw a little bit. When I say a little bit, I'm not talking about for 40 years. Or, t- you know, uh, they take a little mental vacation, what I would call, and they grieve and they process the emotions and they go through it. If, if, if a man's um, wife passes away... It's heartbreaking it's heart-wrenching I've seen this with so many people where a spouse will pass away you know they're allowed to grieve they're allowed to withdraw they're allowed to be alone they're allowed to cry but what they what a real man is not allowed to do or have done is have that pain control them to the point that it causes them to cause other people pain why because they control those emotions. All right, when I say control, not bottle them all up. I guess you could, that's the ultimate of control in that regard, but that's also not healthy because that kind of person's gonna explode at some point. So they grieve and they go through the process when they're hurting. What about when fear? A lot of people say, well, real men don't don't have fear. That's not true. Real men just aren't controlled by their fear. Real men don't stop doing the right thing just because they're afraid. They'll do it even if they're afraid. They do it afraid. What do you do when you're afraid? Do it anyways. If it's the right thing, you do it anyways. I mean, do you think all those men that stormed the beach in Normandy or go into battle, you don't think that they're afraid? You don't think that they, you know, that that they're concerned for their life, for the lives of the people around them? Of course they are. So how is it they're able to do that? They don't allow that fear. They've overcome the fear and they don't allow the fear to keep them from doing what, what they know is the right thing to do. Again, let's go back to uh, the defender thing that men are supposed to be defenders. Somebody's breaking in your house at two o'clock in the morning. You know that you and your family are in danger. You're afraid or you should be afraid in that regard. But should that fear keep you from doing the right thing and defending your family? No, of course not. So even though you fear, you do it anyways. You do the right thing, the right thing anyways. What about when confused or unsure? Something happens where you just don't know what to do. Confusion sets in. You're unsure of yourself. You're unsure of the situation. What do you do? A real man will take a step backward. Ask the right questions. Seek the right counsel and advice and look for the right answers before they move forward. And I don't mean the 100-year plan or the 20-year plan. I'm talking, and I'm not talking about the three-second plan either, unless you only have three seconds, of course. But you do your best to assess the situation and come up with the best possible answer before moving forward when confused, when unsure of something. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, many many things are happening in our present world where economically we don't know what's going to happen. So so, what happens in this kind of situation where it's so volatile, we don't know what's going on. We know that great tragedy in the financial system can really come any second now, any second now. Our whole financial system can, can completely hit rock bottom and be destroyed. We know this. We're, we're right at the verge of it. Actually, we've passed it. Everything's being held up on fake money. <laughs> so what does a real man do? He steps back from it, looks at the big picture and then seeks the answers that he needs from the people that have those answers. He doesn't, listen, this can come any second now, so he doesn't drag his feet and turn this in, well, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next year. No, he gets the answers now that he needs, and then he starts acting upon the truth and the reality that's facing him. He doesn't stick his head in his stands, and if he has to make a radical shift in how he manages his finances and home than he does. And I'm not saying to do this, please, ladies and gentlemen. I am not a financial guru at all. But if the train of thought from people that know what they're supposed to be doing is this, listen, get your money out of the stock market and get into gold. Then, then a real man steps back, learns the ins, the outs, the hows, the whys. Why do I do that? Why do I need to do this? How do I do this and all that? And he makes those shifts that he needs for himself and for his family. And I'm not telling you to do that, please. This is not in any way an endorsement on any level uh, for or against the stock market, for or against gold or silver or anything else. I'm just using that as an example, all right? And that's how he makes the shift. He, when, when confused or unsure, he gets the answers that he needs before he pursues and as quickly as he needs them. The last thing I'm gonna leave you with is men are leaders. Now, I would like to, I would say also everyone's a leader in their own right, but I'm focusing on men. And men, you are leaders in your own right and in your own place. A lot of people say, I don't have any position of leadership. I'm not even a Boy Scout leader. I'm not a this leader. I'm not. You're a leader. You're a leader. Men, you're a leader in your own home with your own wives and kids. Even if you're not married, you're a leader. Why? You're a leader in training in many ways because someday you will be married and have a wife and kid. But you're a leader in the community. You're a leader in your own neighborhood. Men, if you haven't realized this, especially if you own a home, or, or, or rent a home live in a home and you have a lawn out there and some shrubbery and some bushes and stuff you know you're a leader in the, in this regard if you get out there and keep your lawn mowed and your your bushes trimmed and all that people in the neighborhood look to that and you're a leader one way or another a good leader in that sense or a bad leader people are watching you people are following you so in your own neighborhood you're a leader on the job you are certainly a leader you say well i'm not a manager i'm not a leader or anything like that yes you are you are because somebody's looking to you. You Let's say you just took this job yesterday and you don't know much of the job. So you may not be leading very many people, but if you've been there a year, you know the job pretty well. They hire somebody else on and guess what? You're now leading them. Maybe not in a direct way, not in a way where they say, he's your initial boss right now. But hey, if you have any questions, ask ask Jojo over there. Now, Jojo is a leader. He, he knows the job a little bit better than the person that just came on. He's a leader. Somebody's looking to him. He's leading somebody. You're always leading somebody. You're always influencing somebody. Men, you're always influencing somebody. Now, are you influencing them to greater levels of true masculinity? Or are you leading them in, I don't know, weakness, cowardice, femininity? (laughs) Femininity. I can't even say the word anymore. But what are you leading them in? It's not that you're not a leader. You are a leader. But what are you leading? That's the real question. How are you leading? Are you leading Well? or you're leading bad, terrible, weak, cowardly, hopefully well. So here's what a real man will do in the area of his leadership. Real men, okay, we first understand that we're leaders, whether you have the title or not, people are watching you. And a real man will do whatever he can do to sharpen his skills as a leader. Yeah, did you notice that everything in here is about you becoming better at that area, working on it, spending some time on it, meditating on it, and actually doing something about it. Defender, provider, uh, what else do we deal with? Um, your emotions. Uh, now leadership. So here, let me just give you some advice on how you can grow as a leader. You know, there's so there's a there's a gentleman by the name of John Maxwell. Many of you have heard of him. He's a, a teacher, trainer on leadership, especially in the business world, but even personal leadership. So he has great materials. A Christian guy, great materials, books. Um, books videos you name it podcasts he's got it okay so you can go to the bookstore or get online amazon and order some of his books you can go to youtube watch some of his videos vimeo rumble i'm sure has it as well his name john maxwell spelled just the way it sounds j-o-h-n-m-a-x-w-e-l-l john maxwell great materials on leadership he has books again videos podcasts all that so you can sharpen your skills as a leader in your own home, in your neighborhood, on the job. And the more leadership skills that you learn and you perfect, the more marketable you are. It goes back to the provider. What are the greater, greatest providers for in a company or in a business? You know, the ones who make the most money, lead the most people, well, they're leaders. So as you're developing your own leadership skills, you're becoming a better provider. Do you see how those go together? Anyways, you can sharpen your skills by just listening to a, a, a podcast today from John Maxwell. And, and you may want to up it because some of them might just only be five minutes. Well, give more than five minutes to your self-development. Read the book. A lot of people say, especially men, I don't know why. I'm not much of a reader. Well, become a reader. Okay, become a reader. All right, but you're not going to read. Then get on there and watch some of his video. All right, what, what you need to do, a lot of men need to do is they need to break that, um, you know, they can't focus for very long unless it's sports. It's funny how they could sit in front of a TV and watch two hours to four hours of sports and focus on everything. Know all the stats, know all the players, know the numbers on their jerseys, all of the plays, all of that. But they can't focus 10 minutes on self-development and become a better leader. You need to shift that a little. I'm not telling you not to focus on sports at all. If that's what you enjoy, everybody needs some downtime. everybody Everybody needs some recreation. But come on if you if you spend your you know four hours every night before you go to bed you get home you eat your dinner and then four hours every night before your bed in front of the TV watching um, brain numbing things you can certainly spend use one of those hours for self development, reading books, watching videos, uh, listening to podcasts and that type of thing. You can do it. Same amount of time, same amount of effort and same amount of energy, but the outcome is so much greater. Because just because you know all the um, all the players on the field, all their numbers, what team they play for, their names, their their, their jersey numbers, what position they play, even all the stats Unless you're in the sports community or work for ESPN or something of that nature, you're not going to make any money off of that. But now put some of that effort and energy into developing yourself. You become more marketable on the job. Your bosses owners, managers, they start taking notice of it. They start moving you up the ladder. You go from, and I'm just throwing this out, $20 or $25 an hour to $30 an hour to $35 an hour to $50 an hour to managing uh, not just uh, you know maybe a crew leader on, on the floor or something of that nature, but now managing the entire floor and things of that nature. And you move up the ladder. Why? Because you took an extra hour a day and you put it into your self-development on some level. And one of the things like i said when i was talking about being a defender and a lot of the guys started doing things they their confidence boosted so you on you know so you have again four hours every evening you can spend that four hours just watching mind-numbing um television sports or you could put say let's say two hours let's say you take just two hours every evening or three evenings a night, just two hours, three evenings I night, it's just six hours a week. One hour, you're gonna focus on reading and watching videos, say, and again, from John Maxwell or some other great leader that has the ability to teach. And you have that self-development, but you're also gonna spend another hour in the gym, let's say a home gym, or you go to the gym, or or say martial arts, and you start working on your body, working on your skills, and, and which almost always, accompanies better eating and things of that nature and you just start working on yourself in those in those matters and you grow you grow stronger you grow sharper you have the ability now to defend your family if you need to defend yourself the confidence there and the confidence that's boosted because you've worked on yourself and your leadership skills and such you've made yourself more marketable in that way Or maybe you've gone to night school or something of that nature. You're just building yourself. You're you're creating. You're not asking for more hours in a day. You're just using those days more wisely to build yourself physically, emotionally, mentally, intellectually, educationally. In a few short years, yes, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry, but it might take a few years, but it'll take a few short years. Let's say five years. In five years, just five short years, you can you can you can probably quadruple what you're, not just earning financially, but quadruple the quality of your life. A lot of people say, no, you can't. Yes, you can. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've learned it. I've watched it in other men's lives. Many who just took the time, that 24 hour, the same 24 hours that every one of us have, used it a little bit more wisely and they've become better men, stronger men, and uh, true masculinity begins to develop. Again, the world might say toxic masculinity, but true masculinity, true leadership, true men were developed. And I've seen this over and over and over and over again. So men, real quick again, let me go through this. Real man is a defender, defender of especially of his family and those who are weaker. A real man is a provider. okay, And that even means working on that working on themselves to become a better provider real men are not controlled by their emotions but control their emotions, and they and they still live and act and walk out righteously even though they're going through an emotional season or emotional time and real men are leaders leaders in their own right but they real men will always grow in their leadership qualities and characteristics so with that i hope you got something out of this and i want you to understand we are pressing in because the world right now needs real men to rise up once again and we are pressing in and the real men are about to reveal themselves in a powerful profound way and change this world back to righteousness thank you again for joining us at table flippers please check out our merchandise we have hats hoodies water bottles all kinds of cool things you can find all of the our merchandise at Tableflippers.com. that's Tableflippers.com. and please write me please let me know how i'm doing Write me at GWCCrobert, that's one word, GWCCrobert at gmail.com. Give me the good letters, give me the bad letters, tell me the great things I'm doing, tell me the bad things I'm doing. I want to hear it all. Have a great day.